Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the John Sanchez Show podcast. The following program is sponsored by Sanchez Wealth Management. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Further information is available by contacting John at SanchezWealthManagement.com or by calling 800-1801. John Sanchez is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. Securities only offered in states John Sanchez is registered in. Now, the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Good Thursday evening to you. Welcome to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Dwight Millard of Hometown Lenders and Corey Edge of Edge Real Estate filling in for John tonight. Um, Corey, lots to cover tonight on this chilly Thursday evening, but uh, as we had anticipated and talked about on Tuesday, the much-anticipated Fed increase of the uh, federal fund rate, three-quarters of a point there. I believe it is their sixth uh, their sixth time this year, their fourth consecutive three-quarters of a point uh, increase. So no surprises there, but I'd like to get – I'm sure that Jason probably beat this thing pretty – beat this thing up pretty good last night but uh there's definitely some housing comments in there that uh we need to discuss but uh anything that you saw surprised you about yesterday's uh announcement you know i didn't get to i didn't get to listen to it i was in a meeting for the whole time i got to see the reaction to the initial decision and then the report that came out in the report had some had some pretty dovish statements. The market was up. Everything, you know, it seemed like they weren't obviously pivoting, but maybe they were going to soften the blow. Uh, and then I get out of my meeting a couple hours later, looked at what was going on after hours, and clearly, Mr. Powell just completely obliterated any thought that they may slow this thing down. I didn't, so I didn't get to hear it as it was happening. I've seen some snippets of it since, um, but clearly, he wants to make sure everybody understands that. They are on a path. They don't intend to get off that path, and that path is uh, pretty destructive. Yeah, well, and, and uh, the hangover continues through today, of course, um, you know, on on that uh, news. But, I, I, you know, what caught me by surprise, I think all these global economies are trying to see who uh, who goes first on slowing it down, you know, to maybe a half or a quarter. Well, it didn't help. The Bank of England came out and raised theirs three-quarters of a point today, yep. the biggest hike in 33 years, which matched the U.S. Federal Reserve yesterday and Europe, European Central Bank three quarters last week. So 
So, I mean, it just doesn't feel like the momentum of trying to soften this or back down a little bit uh, is is what they have in store. You know, and, and now everybody's saying, hey, let's go a half a point in December, uh, the next meeting, the next Fed meeting or announcement, they meet the 13th and the announcement's on the 14th of December. You know, they're uh, already trying to jaw on this going, hey, let's go a half a point, let's go a half a point. But I'm not sure they're going to buy into this yet, Corey. I don't think so. And if you remember way back when, and I don't remember which meeting they had their first three-quarter point raise was, but you, John, and I were talking about half a point and what they may do, and there were some tidbits in the market that maybe they're going to go three-quarter, maybe they're going to go one, and everybody was kind of like, no, no, three-quarter, that's pretty aggressive. I don't see them doing that. Now here we are, what, four meetings later, and they've gone three-quarters in every single one of them. So um, it, it is it – is, pretty unbelievable to see and again i'm not putting anything on them you and i couldn't do that job i'm not claiming we could do anything better um but it is pretty unbelievable to see kind of where we're at and it it brought me back to you know late 2020 and if you remember because you john and i talked about when powell came out at one of his meetings and they asked him when he was going to start raising interest rates and he said they weren't even thinking about thinking about raising interest rates and that was two years ago and now here we are so you know, take everything with a grain of salt. I think they're trying to do the best they can, but I don't think they even have any idea where this is heading. Well, let me let me take you down memory lane. We have a cumulative 375 basis point hike since March, where it was 25 basis points. May was 50, and then in June, July, September, and November, now three quarters of a point increase. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the 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 trajectory is not in our favor. And you know, the big question is when will the Fed pivot? Um, will and when the, the, will the Fed pivot from that three quarters of a point hike? You know, and again, I just, you know, it'll be interesting to see the data. You got some important data coming out tomorrow, uh, you know, which is the non farm, you know, uh, non farm payroll numbers are October's job report, and their projection is 200 to 205,000. Um, which would be the slowest in, in two years since December of 2020, but. I mean, I don't know, you know, ADP came out earlier, and, and, and we don't put a lot of credence to that, but they are getting better uh, at 239. So unemployment is still is extremely low, which is given, you know, given Powell and those feds uh, a lot of heartburn, you know, um, in, in that arena. It's, it's such a fine line, too, because you remember for years and years and years, they could not get inflation above 2%, and they were fighting to keep employment down and now they're doing completely the opposite and they're trying to get unemployment up if you can believe that and so that's the number everybody's going to be looking at tomorrow um and then you keep having companies i it'll be interesting to see what this number is compared to what is actually happening in these companies you see amazon came out today and said they're pausing all hirings stripe came out today in their earnings and said they're laying off 14 percent of their staff lyft came out today they're laying off 13 percent of their staff so it's happening. And again, hopefully all these reports are reporting accurate data because I just think you stay at this pace, you're going to find yourself with that much higher unemployment than you anticipated because it's not as strong as you thought it was. And you're going to have to get back. And Powell made a statement to that effect yesterday that he would rather have to come in and save the market than basically let inflation run. So what that means is he's willing to go into a recession keep the same path and then if he has to start lowering interest rates they'll do it then but 
you know, it sounds real neat when it's coming from a guy in Washington who's talking to a bunch of financial people, but for the all of us on the ground that have to live through all of it, and th- those are some pretty harsh statements. Yeah, no, no, they, I, I, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of economists are saying that, you know, Powell's target on that is like seven and a half percent unemployment. I mean, that's double where we're at. No, you know, in some cases more than double. So, I mean, yeah, but to your point now, if you start seeing some of these companies, uh, start to do that. It, it, maybe that'll be a wake-up call, and maybe uh, there's some rethinking into into perhaps next year. But hey, Corey, let's cover the market real quick, and we can come in and get a little deeper after the break. But the Dow Jones was down 146 points, or 046 percent, to 32,001. So just a one tick over that 32. Nasdaq was down 181, 1.73 percent, 10,342. And the S&P 500 was down 39 points, 1.06% to 3,719. Uh, oil was down slightly, $88 a barrel. Gold was up 16.32 an ounce. And here we go. The hangover I was talking about, the 10-year Treasury yield, 4.149%, up a few basis points from yesterday, Corey. Um, and the big, the big shock right now is the two year up 22 basis points, 4.71, Corey, for a two year, 4.71 yield. It's the highest level since 2007. You know, we're going back. I'm seeing a lot of data now going back and comparing it to 07. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like this 2007 comparison. And, uh, so, but the, the two year is at 4.71, the one year. So let's just keep going this. The one year, Corey. 4.76 and the five years 4.37 so you know you talk about you have you are well into an inverted curve and you sure. know this is and, and and you see the fed see this as well so i mean these are these are the numbers we're having to deal with and what he's having to, this fine line and you know that he's having to walk well again we've said it all the time we'll, we'll see how this whole thing runs out remember you've got a pretty decent election coming up on tuesday i don't know that obviously that probably doesn't play into the decisions they make but um it may play into how long he sticks around uh depending on how far he takes this because nobody regardless of who wins or who loses whoever does get voted in is not going to want to see a massive economic crash on their watch that's caused by by people that are doing it, and I say purposely, I say facetiously, but they are doing it on purpose. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, it's, it's it's the only thing you know is things are going to change. So we'll see which way it changes. Well, and like you said, I mean, and there's a lot of pressure right now on the on the mortgage rates. Uh, mortgage News Daily is reporting their average 30-year fixed rate today at 7.30. So. I mean, uh, things just aren't getting aren't getting any better in that qualification arena for these buyers. So um, we'll come up with some ideas a little later on. We're going to talk about some concessions and some, you know, what is a two one buy down. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk, News Talk 780 KOH. Filling in for John, I'm Dwight Millar with Hometown Lenders and Corey Edge of Edge Realty. If you're just joining us, the Dow Jones was down 146 points to 32,001. NASDAQ was down 181 to 10,342. And the S&P 500 was down 39 to 3,719. Uh, a little bit of a hangover from the announcement yesterday, the three-quarters of a point interest rate hike by the by the Federal Reserve. 
putting the Federal Reserve fund rate now, Corey, at 3.75 to 4% range. Here we go again, launching its the highest level since December of 2007. So, that, again, they're drawing a lot of comparisons to the 2007 year. But, uh, you know, there was a couple of comments, Corey, I want to kind of share with you. And, and again, I, I apologize if Jason had covered these, but these are more specific, right, to the housing. So it says, he uh, Powell basically went on to say the housing market needs to get back into a balance between supply and demand. You have been talking about that for several years now, uh, especially when we got into the 2020, you know, work from home and this little bit of, of you know, what we didn't see coming in the 2020 and 2021 housing market. But uh, do you feel like that this is um, attempting to, to do that, you know, get this back to the, the balance? Yeah, you're, you're, again, if you go back to a truly balanced market the way the National Association of Realtors defines it, it's six months' worth of inventory. Right now we're sitting at four, I'd say probably four and a half when they come out with um, October numbers. So I'd say, yes, I think we're, we're going to get there. I don't know that you're going to maintain that at seven and a half to eight percent mortgage rates. It could very easily swing, keep continuing to swing towards the buyer's way, which is great for the buyers. Um, but bad for the sellers. Right now, what you have, and we'll talk about it later, I mentioned on Tuesday, is you've got a complete stalemate in the market. The sellers don't want to bring their prices down. They don't have to. They can afford their mortgages. There's no distress. But the buyers are saying, hey, if I'm going to pay 7% on a mortgage, I can't pay the same price as last year when mortgages were two. I need you to bring your price down. The houses that are selling are the ones that meet somewhere in the middle, either the buyer locked in a rate a couple months ago and it was lower, or the seller brought their price down, or there's a combination of the two. <clears throat> the other thing you have working against you right now, and I'm starting to see it hit real fast, is we're in the winter months. You've got Thanksgiving three months away, then you've got Christmas right there. Um, the slowdown we have felt here locally over the last few months is going to be nothing compared to the next two months, trust me. So it's going to feel horrible, but you've got what's happening in the market on top of the normal winter slowdown. Um, and just, you know, buckle up and be prepared for it. Don't lose hope on it because it always bounces back in spring. I don't know that it's going to bounce back to where it was last year, but even if we get back up to the levels we had in, call it June, that would be great. Well, you know, Corey, you sent an article that maybe we get into later in the show but, you know, the, the saving grace to all this is the amount of equity that people have accumulated since the purchase of their home, and they're sitting on low interest rates. So, I mean, that is, that is, a, that is good news, you know, in terms of the housing sector and, you know, people and the stability of it. But, you know, I mean, yesterday, Jerome Powell described, you know, again, he's attacking specifically the overheated jobs market you know, and which demands for workers far exceed the supply. You know, and he went on to say that the central bank is trying to soften the labor conditions or to cool inflation. But Powell said Wednesday that hasn't happened yet in an obvious, I didn't like his his words, but in an obvious way. Now, if we go to inflation, the Fed uh, basically, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we're at 8.2% over the past 12 months, uh, rising by 0.4% in September and 0.1% in August. This is according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The increases, Corey, come in shelter, food, and medical care, the largest con- contributors. I think anybody listening can agree with that. But 
you know, to our point before we went to break, I mean, you're starting to see some layoffs in the, you know, and again, nobody wants to see this. And I, I don't know, you know, if you really got the true story from Jerome, if he was just to tell you, I, I'm sure he doesn't want to see people losing their jobs, but there's, I think he sees that as the only way to combat this inflation. But, you know, we saw, we were seeing some layoffs and there's another thing I wanted to get your opinion on, Corey, apartment list released their national rent report last week showing that rents fell by 0.7% in October. Not big, 0.7% in October. They are now up 5.9% rents are year over year, which is significant moderation year over year from 18% the year prior. So, um, you know, so are you seeing that as well? Are you seeing rents uh, being adjusted? Yeah, not only are the rents locally adjusting based on the last report I read, plus just talking to landlords and seeing stuff, they've come down a little bit. Your vacancies creeping up a little bit. But, for instance, I was talking to a gentleman last week who manages hundreds of units. I mean, he's got a pretty good insight into the local market, and he said their phones just stopped ringing. You know, and so it made it sound really bleak. When you look at the report, it doesn't sound too bad. But again, just like with housing, when you go underneath the report and talk to people that are in the trenches, um, their phones just stopped ringing. And he said eventually they had a building that they were able to get, I think, 50 or 60 percent full, but nothing else since. Now, this is just a snapshot. You know, he was talking to me about the whole market, but when we talked about this one specific building, you know, maybe it's a junky building. I have no idea. But those are stories you have not heard for at least three years. It used to be oh, yeah, I have one apartment for rent. I have 10 people that want it. I'm not hearing that anymore. And to your point, the problem with the inflation, you know, numbers and Jerome Powell and the Fed looking for housing to come down is it takes a long time for the data we're feeling on the street to leak into that report. Some estimates up to 12 months before you'll see what we're feeling now get into that report. And that's the fear of... If all you're doing is looking at the report and not seeing what's really happening underneath the report, you're telling me we're going to go for 12 more months of potentially more interest rate increases before you see the number drop, we'll have 50% vacancy by then. I mean, you will put every single person out of business. So, you know, they walk a fine line. Part of me thinks he has to keep talking stern. As you mentioned, if you really sat down and talked to him and had a beer with him, he doesn't want to see people unemployed. But you can't say that because they'll drop the interest rates right back down to 2% and the market will hit all-time highs the next week. So I feel for what he's trying to do. Hopefully they can just moderate a little bit so that you don't, you know, so you don't have too many unintended consequences. I think I think you're well on the path of having those, but hopefully you can lessen them. So I, I'm going to agree with you real quick because I think that it hasn't, the rent, the rent number really hasn't, filtered into it and we still have lots of uh you know apartments coming on and things like that so i mean the street is different than what the reports are showing i believe and you know to your point i mean we can't we we can't go on another eight nine months of increase waiting for this to take effect it's going to take effect eventually no matter what but i mean he's got to give it some time to to settle in and see exactly where the true numbers are. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Filling in for John, I'm Dwight Millard with Hometown Lenders and Corey Edge of Edge Realty. If you're just joining us, the Dow Jones was down 146 points today, NASDAQ down 181, and the S&P 500 down 39. Uh, The 10-year Treasury yield rose a few basis points to 
4.149%. This all comes on the heels of the October job report tomorrow, the non-farm payrolls number, expecting a number of 200 thousand to 205,000. Hey, Corey, one of the things that are consequences of the federal fund rate increase that the feds do is it, it moves the prime rate. So I wanted to go, go back in memory lane a little bit. So the, the prime rate now, as of today, this morning, uh, is at 7%. So um, 7%, we, as you know, we haven't seen in quite some time. But uh, the all-time high was December 19th of 1980 at 21.5%. So, and if you look at this graph, I went in and looked at the history of it. If you look at the graph, I would say somewhere since the beginning of the, you know, of 2000, we probably hovered somewhere in an average between probably five and three quarters to maybe six and a half throughout, you know. Sure the beginning now it, the, so the last time we saw the, the highest rate that we remember in the turn of this uh, of 2000 was june 29th of 2006 where we hit eight and a quarter percent on the prime so since that point so remember this is june 29th of 2006 we have steadily gone down seven and three quarters six five four and a half then you get into the threes in 2008 um, and then, you know, you bounce back up to some fives and, and then in 2018, you know, you start hitting the fives again and then, uh, you know, we, we dropped off again, hovering around the fives, the four and a quarter. So, you know, it, we haven't seen seven in a while, I guess is my point. And, uh, you know, it just puts everything, you know, anybody that's looking at a closed end contract for furniture, you know, appliances, cars, TVs, houses, just the, the cost just, you know, is adjusted upward, you know, so it's just making things more difficult to purchase, you know, from a cost standpoint, as well as probably a qualifying standpoint. So, you know, well, you got to remember, too, because you talk to, and I'm, I know you and I have talked about, it, I'm sure you talk to people that say, oh, you know, back when I was whatever age, uh, we, our mortgage was oh, yeah. 19%, so this is nothing. Well, Remember what the price of the house was? It was probably fifty thousand back then. Even in two thousand six, I would venture to guess. I mean, you we'd have to look at the reports, but I doubt there was nearly as much revolving debt. The government debt wasn't anywhere close to where it is. So, you know, this whole uh, experiment of messing with rates and quantitative easing and all this kind of junk that has happened since two thousand six seven has spurred a ton of debt, massive trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. So when you talk about these little increases, it seems like, well, we've, we've been there before and there's no big deal. It's completely different this time. And I was listening to another economist today. I mentioned it on Tuesday, and now you're hearing more people talk about there's a lot of companies, a lot of good companies. Maybe they don't have A-rated credit. Maybe they have B credit, um, but still good companies that have decent cash flow that do good business. And their debt is turning over, and now they're looking at rates that, that they couldn't even afford, even with a decent profit margin, they can't afford to even service that debt. So it, it does have big ramifications, and this gentleman's point was interesting because he said, you know, everybody thinks, oh, well, if a few B-rated companies go out of business, that's no big deal. But then that floats into the A-rated companies, and it floats into everywhere else because of how everything's so intertwined. And i got to believe the Federal Reserve understands that, and that's why I think that it they talk super tough, but they're going to get to some point at, at somewhere where they have to back down because the, you know, it sounds great that, Hey, I'm willing to put everybody in a recession and everybody can feel some pain. I mean, 
it sounds neat when you say it, but when you actually start seeing it, then, you know, maybe it'll have a change of mind. Well, and to your point, what's near and dear to me, obviously, is the mortgage world. And, Corey, there are approximately 55 mergers and acquisitions to be uh, consummated by the end of this year inside the mortgage lending industry. So, you know, I think, to your point, people are having to look at things and debt and buybacks and everything, and they're just going, you know, you haven't seen this kind of consolidation in the past 30 years. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting... Um, you know, time for for these businesses, like you said, that have to restructure any any you know any debt at any point in time. You know, like you said, you were kind of barely making it. You know, doing the okay. You know, you hit the pandemic. We we're clawing our way out of the oh nine ten meltdown, and you're kind of making it. And now you got to structure it. And you're, I mean, I don't even know what the percentage point. It'd be nice to talk to a, a, a commercial. Uh, you know, loan officer that has those rates, but I got to believe you're probably looking at least maybe almost near double, right? Sure. You know, which yeah, and it's not really it's not it locked then. in. It's not locked in for thirty years like a, a residential mortgage. I mean, and you've got covenants on it. And you know, I was thinking the other day about these poor restaurant owners, right? You go through the pandemic, nobody lets you open. Then when you open, you can only have twenty percent of the people. I mean, they lived through that. They. They, you know, through sheer will, made it all the way through, and now you're dealing with this, where, you know, you've got the government basically saying, hey, we don't want anybody to go out and eat anymore, and then they need to quit spending money, and uh, I don't know. I mean, again, this, to me, this whole experiment that started with quantitative easing, maybe you look back and say, we needed it because we were in a bad spot, but, you know, the three of us, you, John, and myself, have always mentioned at some point, somebody's going to have to pay the bill. And the bills do. I mean, we're starting to pay it. Here you go. Well, there was so many quantitative ease, you know, easing uh, programs and Operation Twist, and you know, we we got into so many things that you know, like you said, over the and anybody that's been listening, longtime listener, remembers when we were talking about this. If this cannot continue, can't just keep doing this. At some point in time, it's it's going to come and rear its ugly head. So, you know, and another uh, consequence of, of these rate increases six, since the beginning of the year, um, you know, and we knew this would, would be a problem. But so applications, mortgage applications are uh, down a, a half a percent from one week earlier. But refinance loan demands increased 0.2 percent, but 85 percent lower than the same week one year ago. Corey, that doesn't surprise anybody, mm. right? I mean, who in their sure. right mind? You know, unless you have to do something, and then purchase money loan requests decreased by one percent, but it's down forty-one percent lower than the same week uh, in the same week one year ago. So, I mean, applications are getting just slaughtered. And you know, when you look at the share of it, like FHA, their total application part of that is thirteen and a half percent. VA is ten and a half or ten. Point three percent. So, I mean, applications are just getting, you know, the beat down. And, um, you know, it's all I guess, you know, if you're if you're a, a, a buyer sitting out there, Corey, I mean, you're trying to balance between pricing and rates coming down or whatever, whatever is going through your your mind right now. But one of the things that interesting, you'll appreciate this. I read this. I didn't create this, so that, but but I understand it. It says it says and it's saying to the buyer. Marry the house and date the rate. Okay, sure. so it means, and and that I love that because you you've always said that if you find your house, 
this is the house you've wanted. It's the area, you know, this is it. Marry the house, get in long term. This is it. You, you know, you could call it your forever home because at some point in time, who knows when, you will have the opportunity to restructure the debt on that house. And, you know, you've been a big advocate of that, you know, especially right now if you're looking for shelter, if that's what your need is, and there's a specific uh, area or, you know, location or whatever it is that you're trying to do or the size of the amount of bedrooms or whatever, and you find it, I, I, I liked that quote, Corey, and I know that you believe in that as well. Yeah, I, I would just, the only caveat I would have for anybody because I do think that that's a good way to look at things. Just make sure that when you marry the house and you date the rate, make sure you can afford the date that you're on, right? You don't want to, you don't want to buy it knowing you can't afford it, assuming you're going to be able to refinance in six months lower. Make sure it's still affordable. And then in the future, if these things back off and you can save some money by refinancing, go for it. But, but you know that if that doesn't happen, at least you're still comfortable at the rate that you started dating, if you will, right? Um, but I do think that's a good thing. And I'm seeing a lot. I'm, I'm hearing that from buyers. I'm seeing it in the market that people are saying, listen, I'm fine. We've always said this is a payment society. I don't care what you charge me for the house. I don't care what you charge me on interest as long as it's 1500 bucks a month, right, Like or whatever the budget is. So people right. are saying, hey, I'm happy with 7%. If the price comes down fifty grand, because then I get my fifteen hundred dollars a month, or whatever the numbers end up being, and so when I talk to sellers, and you and I were talking earlier, what do you do to get these buyers off the fence? Well, hey, you gotta. I, when people ask me that, when I have clients ask me that, I always say, well, what would you do if you were buying? Oh, well, I wouldn't buy right now. Well, then what do you? Uh, I mean, there you answered your own question, right? There's fear in the market that things could keep going down, and who wants to buy that? Um, on the flip side of that, there's also fear that rates could keep going up. So buyers do have a somewhat of an incentive to lock it in now and buy something. So if you're sitting on a, if, if you have to sell your house, I don't, I don't mean have to, but if you're not just out there floating around and you don't care whether you sell or not, if you want to sell the house, continue looking at the comparables, probably at least weekly. And if you're not getting the traffic in this market, it's pricing. You have nervous buyers. They're okay with the rate as long as the price comes down low enough to where they can make their payment, and that may not be too much lower from where you're at. The other thing I tell clients, and you probably see this too, is in this market, people don't make – it's a weird thing that's happened over the last 10 years. They don't make offers. So if you and I own a house worth 300 and we price it at 350 and a buyer really, really wants it, for whatever reason, they won't offer us 300 They'll just wait. For us to bring the price down close to 300 and then it'll either give us full price or a little bit under or whatever it might be so don't think don't get caught in that thing that i see a lot of clients get caught in where well well i want to price it 700 but i'll take six when an offer comes in you're not going to get the offer because people don't know that you need to reduce the price so that they know you have a little bit of reality set in there um and then yeah. maybe you can start negotiating all all great advice, Corey. When we come back, let's talk about 2-1 buy-down and some incentives. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 70 KOH. Corey and I appreciate you taking valuable time out of your precious day to spend with us. And, uh, Corey, anybody looking to get a hold of you, what's your uh, phone number? Uh, 673-6700. And if you're looking for me, 858-4444. 
Okay, Corey. So I'm gonna. So here's what I, you know, I took away when before we went to the break is, you know, if you are a buyer and you're paralyzed by fear, there's probably not a lot that anybody's gonna be able to do to get you off that fence right now, right? I mean, um, but what we're seeing is a growing trend right now from all facets of sellers that are including incentives, you know, so I want to kind of give the, you know, the listener an idea. So when, when you're, when you're looking at incentives, one of the biggest, and I want you to cover, you know, I mean, you're, you're seeing incentives, 15,000, 20,000, I mean, all across the board, the biggest one that people are at least publishing right now is an incentive used towards buy a two one buy down. So I want to quickly explain what that is, and then I want you to get in some other incentives that you can, you know, ap- apply towards, you know, because everybody has a different need. So a two one buy down basically will take the going rate today. So let's just say it's I'm going to just use seven as a basis. They'll take seven percent. It'll buy the rate down two percentage points the first year, one percent, and then you're back to the uh, buy down rate. They're out. So, for example, if you use, if you bought down from seven percent, your first year interest rate would be five percent. Second year would be six percent, and then your third throughout would be the seven percent. But that gives you a little bit of relief for those few years, hoping that sometime maybe, again, along with our marry the house and date the rate, that you would be able to refinance at a sooner rather than later time. Um, so that's one big push right now that people are trying because they're trying to give them that enticement of that lower interest rate. Now, you can use that same amount of uh, of cost that would take to do the two one buy down that a seller may provide and use it to a permanent buy down. You know, you're not get, going to get as far as a five, but you might get a six and five eighths or something like that on a permit. So there's lots of ways to skin this cat. But Corey, I know you've seen it. You, you, you go for incentives, you go for seller uh, contributions. So walk us through some incentives and how you would structure or, uh, or tell a prospective buyer or even a seller how to, how to use these incentives. Well, and really, it's exactly what you said. And what we do on the, at least what I do on the upfront is we're just looking for a dollar amount, typically a percentage. So, you know, more in in your alley of depending on the buyer, depending on what kind of loan they get, I'll usually call the lender and ask them how much of seller contribution can we have? Because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, there's limits on all loans, right? You can only have X amount of seller incentive. Is that correct? Yeah, unconventional, it, can, it ranges from 3 to 9%, depending on the down payment, and FHA is okay. 6 and VA is 4. Yeah. Yeah, so that's much higher than even I remember. So what you're going to do on the buyer side is you can go in and say, hey, listen, Mr. Seller, you want 500000 eh, I'm okay with your price maybe, but you know, I want 3% back in a credit towards my recurring or non-recurring closing costs. So you're going to give me fifteen grand, and then I'm going to go to my lender and decide, okay, I'm going to use some of this for a buy-down. I'm going to use some for my closing costs so I can keep cash in my pocket. I'm going to use it wherever it's going to be most beneficial to me long run. And a lot of buyers these days are saying, hey, just get that rate as low as you can you know, with all this money, and then it's up to you guys to figure out the best buy-down program. Well, you know, Corey, maybe we can touch on this a little bit more on Tuesday because we're running out of time, as always. But uh, maybe we can cover that a little bit more. But we appreciate you being with us on the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. God bless and good night. On air, online, on demand. News Talk 780 KOH. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 